Hello, and welcome back to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. This is your host, Michaela Mattis. This is episode three of the Pacific Northwest Showdown, and I'm really excited to have you all listening in again this week. We will be talking about the Seattle Mariners and their push for the wildcard spot in the AL that they did this weekend. They just feel a little bit short, but we're going to really dive into how special that AL wildcard playoff push was for the Seattle Mariners after 20 years of trying to get back to the playoffs. We're also going to really break down that Seattle Seahawks win that we had on Sunday and talk about what to expect coming up on Thursday night's football game against our division rivals, the Los Angeles Rams. Before we get started diving into our showdown lowdown, we're going to do our Pacific Northwest Athlete Quote of the Week. Our Pacific Northwest Athlete Quote of the Week this week is a little bit of a throwback. This is going to be a quote from Ken Griffey Jr., as he is sharing some of the wisdom that his dad shared with him about baseball. And he said, Well, my dad, Ken Griffey, taught me that there's three parts. There's hitting, there's defense, and there's base running. As long as you keep those three things separated, you're going to be a good player. I mean, you can't take your defense on the bases, you can't take your hitting to the field, and you can't take your base running to the plate. But defense is number one. I thought this was great because it really reminds you, even in life, to make sure that you're in the present moment. What can you do here and now that's going to help you be successful? So often I think that we're thinking about the next steps to the next thing that we have to do. And it really takes away from being able to be successful and present here in this moment. So I just wanted to share that quote with you to remind you to make sure that you're focused here and now. Don't get so caught up in all the other things around you, what you're trying to prepare for in life, what's coming up next. I think sometimes it can really steal the joy from the success that we had to get to even this moment in time. So great um, advice from Ken Griffey Sr. to Jr., whether that's applying it to baseball or any other sport or just to life, um, really think about how that relates to you personally. So that is our Pacific Northwest Athlete Quote of the Week. Next up is the Showdown Lowdown. It is time for the Showdown Lowdown, your Pacific Northwest sports news and updates. We're going to start here with the Seattle Mariners as their season has come to an end after an incredible battle to fight for the AL wildcard spot. Mariners fans flooded the stadium to hopefully watch history be made, and the Mariners gave them quite a show. Once again, Mitch Haniger showed up and put the team's offense on his back as he was a 4-for-5 with a home run and 5 RBIs in Game 2 against the Angels over the weekend. Although the Yankees and the Red Sox secured their spots in the wildcard race on Sunday, this season was monumental for the future of the Mariners franchise. With securing 90 wins this season, I encourage you all to continue to believe and show up for this team as they continue to grow and develop next season. I can't transition on from the Mariners until I talk about Kyle Seeger and what he's meant to this team over the past 10 years. It was clear in Sunday's postgame interviews how Kyle has impacted his teammates in this franchise as tears from his teammates were shed and fans cheered loud to show their love and appreciation for all that he has given to this team. He'll be a free agent this offseason, and it sure did feel like it's time to move on. And I just want to say thank you to Kyle for everything you gave to the Seattle Mariners. 
The Seattle Kraken are currently 3-2 and two in their preseason games with their final preseason game taking place tonight, October 5th, against the Canucks. Their first season game will be on Tuesday, October 12th at 7 o'clock p.m. against the Golden Knights. This should be a very fun game to watch as the two newest NHL franchises faced head-to-head in Game 1 of the season. The Seattle Seahawks came away with a very important victory over their division rivals, the San Francisco 49ers, on Sunday, winning the game 28-21. With a very slow start on offense in the first two quarters, the Seahawks turned it on in the second half to score 21 points. The defense kept the Hawks in the game during the first half of the game to hold the Niners to just seven points heading into the half. We face off with another division rival on Thursday night against the Rams, and I will be discussing Sunday's game in our Hawkeye analysis segment and discussing what I hope to see on Thursday night's game after I award the Pacific Northwest Showdown's Player of the Week. The Seattle Sounders won 3-0 against the Colorado Rapids with Roldan, Miranda, and Paolo each scoring a goal. The Sounders are now ranked number two in the MLS Power Rankings. This is your Pacific Northwest Showdown Lowdown, your Pacific Northwest news and updates. The Pacific Northwest Player of the Week goes once again to Mitch Haniger of the Seattle Mariners. After going four for five with a home run and five RBIs in game two against Angels on Saturday, how could I not give Mitch Haniger the Pacific Northwest Showdown's Player of the Week? He sparked belief in fans to show up and cheer on the Mariners in their playoff push, push that just fell short this weekend. Mitch is a special player who has provided so much hope for the Mariners to be successful. And I really look forward to hopefully having the Mariners sign him to a long-term contract. You need to get that done, Seattle. Make sure that you sign Mitch Haniger to a long-term contract. He is our Pacific Northwest Showdown Player of the Week. It is time for our Hawkeye analysis, where I'm going to be breaking down the Seattle Seahawks game that took place on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. And this week, I'm going to have to start on offense because um, the defense showed out in the first half. They're holding the 49ers to seven points, and the offense really struggled to get going. So we're going to break that down first. So the offense started with five three and outs over the first five drives of the game. And I don't know what was happening. They could not get going at all. The run game was stifled. The passing game did not click. Um, I was really questioning, and those of you who follow me on Twitter saw all of my tweets going out in that first, you know, 25 minutes of the game. I was just like, blow up the franchise, Fire Pete Carroll, fire Ken Norton, fire Shane Waldron, start from scratch, keep your franchise quarterback intact. I was, I was like livid watching that first part of that game with the offense. And I was like, are we all done with Shane Waldron here? Like, is this what his offense is? Because this is worse than Brian Schottenheimer's offense in the second half of the season last year. Five, three and outs. Like, that's unheard of. That's that's like you're going to be drafting in the first round number one overall next season kind of offense. And apparently 
Uh, Russell Wilson here at the end of that second quarter asked to really get a more up top tempo offense, which would give him more time to change the play calls at the line and seeing what the defense is doing and making those adjustments. And you probably noticed that he was doing a lot of changes there at the line. He was calling things. Players were shifting a lot more and they started finding more success offensively. And I'm going to have to give credit to Alex Collins, who really got the game, just broke the game open for the offense there where he caught a ball and just completely opened the game up. It was an explosive play and got our offense rolling. Um, Without that play, I don't, you know, it would have been difficult to see the Seahawks go into halftime with um, probably a big goose egg on the scoreboard against the 49ers. So, Alex Collins was, in my opinion, the offensive player of the game to really help get things going. I mean, okay, when I say offensive player of the game, obviously Russell Wilson had some huge magician plays that happened. And we'll talk a little bit more about those here in a minute. But Chris Carson could not get going. I Like, he was just getting completely stopped and stuffed at the line. And here's Alex Collins. He had a beautiful running touchdown. I love that. That touchdown was amazing to watch. Um, and honestly, if Rashad Penny comes back from IR, he just don't even give him a chance to come back to be running back number two. Arguably right now, um, definitely Chris Carson and Alex Car- Collins should be sharing the load back there. And I'm glad that they stuck with Alan, Alex Collins in some of those plays because he was finding success. Go where success exists. I don't care which player it is. If they're successful, keep them in there and continue to uh, get those drives going. So Russell Wilson really helped turn around this game in the second half. And let's just say Russell Wilson is a magician There was a play where he threw for a touchdown, but right before he threw for that touchdown, he magically escaped Joey Bosa coming around for a sack. Um, No, not Joey. It was Nick. Wait, yeah, Nick. I get confused sometimes because obviously both brothers are incredible (laughs) edge rushers. But it was Nick Bosa because Nick Bosa plays for the 49ers. I was watching the Chargers game last night, which is probably why I'm confused there. But he escaped Nick Bosa and the pressure that came off. I thought he was sacked. I thought he was done for. I mean, we had watched so many sacks earlier on in the game. I thought this was going to be another one of those that just frustrated me. And again, one of those magician-like plays by Russell Wilson, he rolls out. He somehow escapes that sack. He rolls out and he finds Freddie Swain in the very corner right there by the pylon um, in the end zone for a touchdown. And that was, my mind was blown. I I tweeted out, I go, what just happened? Um, It was such a beautiful play. And then I have to go ahead and talk about too, um, that running touchdown that Russell Wilson had. He got up past 19 miles an hour. (laughs) running for that. It looked like a 20 yard touchdown, I believe. Um, It might've been for less depending, you know, on where the line of scrimmage was, but 19 miles an hour, he still has it. He still has the speed. 
I don't necessarily like seeing Wilson scramble as much as he is at this point in in his career, but he makes plays happen. When Russell Wilson is under pressure and he puts that game on his back, he makes he makes some magic happen. And it was a great thing to see because the first half I was I was being very dramatic. I was having a little bit of a Twitter breakdown about the Seahawks offense. And to be honest, I couldn't believe that the defense was showing up and giving me any hope for even coming back and potentially staying in the game. Um, you know, Wilson continues to struggle to hit his targets on third down. That's a huge talking point that I've seen in the news. I hope that he can get that together. I'm not quite sure what the issue is with third down in those passing uh, attempts, but I think he will get it together. I, I think he has the mental strength and focus to really see where some of those issues exist and to clean them up. So it's still early on in the season. I say that when it's going to matter the most, he's going to hit those third down targets um, and, and we're going to be just fine in that regard. DK Metcalf had a beautiful um, touchdown on a slant route. And, you know, there was a question of did the ball get in the end zone? It did. It was 100% in. There was no doubt in my mind that that was a touchdown. If anybody had any questions about whether or not that was. Um, So we're going to transition to the defense because the defense held the Niners, as I said before, to seven points in the first half, which kept the offense in the game. We went into halftime with a 7-7 tie, which I think it could have been a lot worse um, because the defense hadn't shown up in the last few games. And Jamal Adams said before this game that they were going to turn it around, and, and, and that's what I saw. Now, there are some changes that the defense made personnel-wise. Um that I think led to the success. First of all, they brought in Sidney Jones and they put uh, DJ Reed back on the right side, which is where he was highly successful last season and where I don't think that they should have ever moved him from this season, but they did what they tried to have to do to see who their best player personnel would be out in the field. But they moved DJ Reed back to the right side where he was very successful this game. And Sidney Jones had a little bit of growing pains out there in the field, but What I saw, I was very happy with. He had one major blown coverage um, on like a 70 plus yard touchdown that honestly, like, I'm not even going to, like, is that frustrating? Yes. But after watching Trey Flowers have so many blown coverages and give up so many touchdowns, this one, quote, growing pain touchdown that he gave up, I'm still going to give Sidney Rice Sydney Rice. Look at me. I'm changing all sorts of names today. Sydney Jones, the benefit of the doubt, because I saw him sticking to his guys in so many of the other plays where I wouldn't have seen Trey Flowers be so on top of uh, of the wide receivers in those um, in those plays. So I am happy to hear that it sounds like they're going to continue on with Sydney Jones there on the left side. They also brought in Ryan Neal. And Ryan Neal was in so many of the plays in the in the you know pass breakups and making sure he was stopping plays on third down. I love Ryan Neal. He should be out there, and he I think he's very underrated as a player. 
if they want to find success and continued success on defense, they need Ryan Neal on the field. Along with Jamal Adams, along with Quandre Diggs, who had an incredible interception, he read that he read that play like his favorite book. Um, Jamal Adams came in hitting hard. He saved the touchdown from George Kittle in the end zone. He had he covered a huge portion of the field on that on that play, and he just he annihilated George Kittle with a hit, making him drop the ball in the end zone. Um, so just some really positive things to say about the defense. There's some things that they can clean up and work on there. To me, there's a garbage time touchdown from, you know, Trey Lance out there. And then that blown coverage, like, I think that the score would have been much different had there not been that blown coverage in some of those garbage time, um, touchdowns. I think that the defense had a, had overall, a great game compared to how they have been playing. So I'm going to give them so much kudos and so much credit for how they played on Sunday. I really hope that they continue to play that well in coverage on Thursday night because Matthew Stafford and his receivers are looking very good. And I know that this is going to be a very difficult matchup, but if our defense can play even like they've just now had an opportunity to play together on Sunday with this new unit out there on the field. I think that they're going to really work on that communication here over this short, this short week. I think that they can do even better um, against this Rams offense. However, they need to be communicating. Uh, they need to be on top of it every, every play. Cause this Rams team looks amazing. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say that they look like trash because they don't, they look, they look great. Um, so yeah, you know, there's some potential injuries with Dunlap and Taylor. So I'm not quite sure how the pressure is going to look coming off the edge on Thursday. Alton Robinson, you better have him out there all the time if you want to bring some pressure. Uh, Rasheem Green's been looking pretty good out there off the edge too. So hopefully um, we can bring some pressure. I don't know how Benson Mayo is doing with his injury that he's had. But that's going to be a pretty large question mark is our is our pass rush. And that could also cause some issues in coverage because if they're not bringing the pressure, then that's going to give their receivers a lot more time to get open out there against us on Thursday night. Our offense against the Rams needs to continue with its up-tempo and tire out the Rams' defensive line. They need to utilize quick underneath passes, but... The issue that I've seen with some of our quick offensive plays and passes is that they're trying these screens and they just, they're not developing. The blocking for the screens aren't developing and our players are getting blown up behind the line or at the line of scrimmage. So they need to figure out different play calls. It's going to still allow them to go underneath and gain yards. Um, And part of that's going to be making sure that you're, doing some misdirection plays that you have, you know, speed running around in the backfield. So just making sure that it's up-tempo, tire out the defense. The Rams have an excellent defense, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald out there. And Russell Wilson knows those players very well, especially Aaron, Aaron Donald, Darnold. 
Um, so yeah, let's make sure that we're on top of it. I'm looking forward to watching Thursday night's game. I'm going to have to get to the game a little late though, because I will have training till five o'clock and I believe the game starts at four 30. So don't give up any, anything. I'm going to try to stay off my phone and catch up with what's going on once I'm off of work. Uh, so really looking forward to that. That is the end of the Hawkeye analysis for this week. There's going to be a podcast posted probably sooner because of our Thursday night game for this upcoming week, which I'm really excited to be able to do earlier. Um, and so be looking forward to that episode as well. It is time for so many of your guys' favorite segment, the mailbag. So this is where I ask listeners to ask me questions of things that they would like me to answer on the podcast each week. So please feel free any week to ask me questions that you want me to answer and, and share out here on the podcast. I love hearing which questions you guys have for me. And we're going to start with at Brit underscore Mattis's question, which is my lovely sister. And she said, or she asked, you must take one athlete from each Seattle-based sports team and move them to another Seattle-based sports team. Who are your selections? Which position do you have them playing and why? There's a lot of Seattle sports teams, so I don't know if I'm going to do every sports team, but I will do a few players just because this is a really fun question. So one athlete that I would take from the Seahawks to play on the Mariners would be Russell Wilson. We know that Russell Wilson played baseball. I think that he would bring a lot of hype and energy to the Mariners dugout and on the field. I think that would be a really fun person to watch play baseball. I would have him play shortstop. He's got the arm for it. Um, he's got the agility for it. And that would just be one of one of my players there. I would love to see DK Metcalf play pretty much any position in any <laughs> sports team. Um, it would be interesting to see him. He's just an athletic dude. I, I would be scared seeing him anywhere on any team. So DK Metcalf's another one where just throw him in at any position on any team. Uh, in any sport, and I'm going to buy tickets to watch that game. Let's see. Who else? Who else? Hmm, that's a solid question. Let's just stick with those two for now, because that, that question was, was difficult, Britt. I might have to get back to that one with some other answers. I saw some pretty solid answers on Twitter from individuals um, which maybe I'll share next week to that question that you had. All right. The next question is from at five drink max and five drink max's question was, if you could interview any person from each Seattle sports team, who would they be from the Seattle storm? That would be Sue bird. That's an easy answer for me. Um, from the Seattle Seahawks, I would have to choose 
Russell Wilson. I love his mindset. I would love to talk psychology with him. I'd love to talk sports with him. From the Seattle Mariners, it would have to be Mitch Hanniger. Uh, after this seat, well, it would be between Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger. But maybe Kyle Seeger, his teammates just like the amount of emotion that just welled up in them at the end of the game on Sunday just really showed me how much he meant to the team. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to say Kyle Seeger. I think that he must be a really incredible and special human being that I think um, I could gain a lot from just talking with him. So, hey, Kyle Seeger, if you're listening, let's get an interview set up. Uh, oh, geez. You guys are asking me for each team, huh? Okay, we'll, we'll do – we'll cover the Sounders and the Kraken next week. How about that? I'll have an answer for you after um, game one, the official game one of the Kraken, um, next Tuesday night against the Golden Knights. I'll, I'll tell you – who I would like from, from that team. And I'll also talk about the Sounders next week. This is the evil, evil question this week from Steve Fisher. So that's at SS Fisher 87. Steve Fisher asked the most evil Seattle sports question you could ever ask somebody. He said, you can only choose one. You can only choose one of these things to have happened in Seattle sports history. And the first one, he said, was Ken Griffey Jr.'s Hall of Fame career for 13 years in Seattle. Or the Seattle Seahawks winning at Super Bowl 48. Who asks that question? Who asks somebody that's a Seattle sports fan, that question. Well, guess what, Steve? We have an excellent answer for you as to why I choose Ken Griffey Jr.'s Hall of Fame career over my beloved Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl 48 win. All right, so before I get to that answer, Steve, um, the Twitter poll that I put out for that, because I was really curious what my followers were thinking about this and 71% chose the Seahawks Super Bowl 48 win to have happened over the 29% that chose Ken Griffey Jr.'s Hall of Fame career, which in my opinion, I like, I get it. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. You all, you all know that. Like I primarily focus on the Hawks. I do the Hawkeye analysis. So you all might be su like completely surprised that I'm choosing Ken Griffey Jr.'s Hall of Fame career, but there's some, things that you have to understand about why I chose this, why my sister chose this. And she gave an excellent answer and reasoning as to why that's the clear answer, at least for us too, right? So here's what my sister Brittany said. She said, it was childhood. So much of my childhood, which was our childhood, because she's only two years older than me. So it was our childhood. A player's time is limited, but a team's time is not. The Hawks can win another Super Bowl, you know, but Griffey made something of himself during his limited time. That is the mic drop. That is the answer. That is what we're ending with today for the mailbag questions. Steve, you thought you got me. 
but she didn't because I got my sister Brittany, who's got my back, with the excellent answer as to why Ken Griffey Jr.'s Hall of Fame career deserves to win over the Seahawks Super Bowl 48 win, which they can go back and get another one over time because they are a team and not just a player. All right, this leads us to the closing podcast remarks for the Pacific Northwest Showdown. And I just want to thank you all again for listening and hope you tune in next week. Remember to always take care of your heart and mind above all else. Until next time. 